Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, and uh, with me always is my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. And we do realize it is the afternoon, but uh, somebody made a bad choice with Gen Con and scheduled a bunch of games, but we still had lots of stuff to talk about, so we wanted to do this anyway, and we kind of were like, he's like, well, yeah, I'm free at, like, you know, one, and I'm like, okay. Let's have, like, an, an afternoon show. So here we are. Uh, but we do have lots of stuff to talk about. First of all, Lucian, how are you? How's uh, Pretty online good. Gen Con? In, in some ways, it's a late afternoon for me, but normally about noon to one is the right time for me. So it's an afternoon show for me, and it's a morning show for you. But yes, now it's, true. we're both in the afternoon. It was really good. No, it was all my <laughs> fault. I, uh, I got excited looking at games to sign up for, didn't pay attention to times, saw an open <laughs> slot on Saturday, for some uh, Warhammer Fantasy, which was super fun. I'll tell you all about it later in the show. Um, and yeah, we, I got to play a bunch of cool games, got to do a bunch of cool stuff. So it's been fun. Not as fun as probably unpacking boxes or yeah, well, you know that whole thing. But uh, Taking care of a baby. Hey, there's Danimo, our digital dungeon master underground. I can't say his whole thing. He's got a cool thing that he says at the beginning of his show now. Oh, That's, that's like a tongue twister, and he does it every time <laughs> like perfectly. I think he's maybe only messed up once. So oh, he's done fun. it really good. Sometimes it's been pretty fun. Uh, that's fun. Uh, I am trying a new camera angle, and I don't think I like it. I think it's I'm going to have to view. go back. It's a sniper Headshot. view. It's not fun. Uh, this might be good if I was, like, playing video games or something on Twitch, but, like, a talk show, not so good. But I was going to yeah. ask you – this is what I was going to ask you right before we went live, and I'm like, oh, we're going live. I can't ask a question. Is do you have your webcam on your monitor, and it's just there? See, for some reason – my monitor is wobbly because I have it up a little higher on um, mm-hmm. a, a pedestal. And so when I like move and talk with my hands, it wobbles. And that's what I'm trying to fix by moving it back off of the monitor. Yeah. But I don't think it looks good. So I did something that because I had a wobble stand on mine too. So then I built pillars on each side of my monitor to force it not to wobble unless I really banged my desk. Oh. Because I wanted to take out that whole shit. I didn't want people getting seasick. Yeah, that's what I don't like. On the show. And I've been <laughs> noticing that it, it does that because I recorded a video today. There it is. Um, this is what he says at the beginning yeah. of our, our streams. Danimal okay. DM, your digital, your diligent digital down under dungeon master. That's nice. <laughs> I, I can't even love it. Right. <laughs> um, what kind of games have you been playing? Everything, you name it. Okay. I've been playing it. Um, Warhammer and all that other stuff. It's cool. Um, <laughs> it's they use the same kind of process to sign up for games that we mean you are familiar with, or any of you that have gone to Gen Con are familiar with. You buy like two the or five dollars tickets. You buy then, a two, yeah. Yeah, most of the tickets have been about two bucks that I've, bought, I've paid for. Okay. Four hour slot, sometimes a two hour slot. Maybe some are a little bit lit- you know, longer, shorter, whatever. Um, but they have like the description and you go and you buy a ticket, you add it to your cart and you, then it processes and make sure nobody else has already used that thing up and then you're good to go. And then you can hand those tickets in when you're, when you're sitting there talking with people. So that part's kind of the same. And so is it all zoom or discord or different? it's all been a lot of stuff. Like everybody's oh. doing different stuff. Whoever's organizing them has their like um, whatever they think is the thing they like. Right. So I've been bouncing around all these different. I, I must have joined twelve different discords in the last three days, oh, because wow. most of them are using Discord to talk and organize, and then they might use some other type of meeting to run the game. So they might use a Google Meet. I was in Roll Twenty was a lot of them. We did Google Meet. We even used Discord, just total Discord, to run a game for one of them too, which worked out pretty good too. Mm-hmm. So a mixture of everything. Cool. Uh, That's fun. So it was really good. It's just, it's interesting to be thinking about Gen Con so much, not get to go, but then get a few pieces of it mm-hmm. that make you feel like, oh, I'm, I feel like Gen Con just a tiny bit, you know, going from one game to another or, or playing games with total strangers, that brings the feel of Gen Con right back, you know, yeah. and then um, the amount of different games that you might play, because you might, a lot of times for me, I pick things I don't normally play. So I didn't play yeah. any D&D. I played all these other systems that I just never normally get a chance to play. So that was very Gen Con like for me. No, it's a great it's a great time because usually, uh, especially with RPGs, which is something that we enjoy, uh, mm-hmm. they just hand you a character and you're like, you're this. And you're like, okay, yeah. what, what can I do? And it's a good way to get a feel for a game in a system. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just talking before the show went live that uh, we both want to try Pathfinder 2. 
yeah. um, or second edition Pathfinder, but I don't want to run it and I can't find anybody that is like passionate enough that also knows the rules that wants to run it for me. Like mm-hmm. I want it. I just, we both, well, I guess I shouldn't say we both, but I personally feel no, no, yeah. that it is, uh, it's, it's a different kind of beast, even though it's very similar to a lot of D20 systems, but I want to focus on making a character um, mm-hmm. Like level one, level two. With somebody two. there telling me or explaining. Or not even that. Things. Like I can read the books, but then I want to use that character in a game and have the dungeon master kind of tell yeah. me, you have this many actions and you have this. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, and it and it all kind of like makes sense. Uh, then after that, now that I know the skeletal framework of it, I can go back and read the book and really understand like, oh, you get feats at these levels and stuff. So yeah. I don't know. It'd be kind of fun. but Because yeah, I have I the Pathfinder 2 book. Oh, actually, it's behind me now. I've rearranged everything. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's kind of what I was doing with the other games too. Is the idea I, I played almost exclusively pre-gen characters. I didn't I, last year when I went to go play games. I thought about bringing out the books, making my own character to go through that whole experience. But I just thought when I was signing up to games this year, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to play with the pre-gen so I can see how their character sheets mm-hmm. are filled out, see what a very typical character is, have fun playing that to get to understand the mechanics and concentrate on the mechanics. And not go in with any real predetermined stuff. Just use what they have there and, yeah. and make it pretty fun. And it's and it was fun to be able to see the different games that are still out there. The different I played D six systems, D twenty systems, mm. D one hundred systems. I played it all. I played mm-hmm. you know it was just some some really interesting and fun stuff. And man, it makes you so energetic to start running stuff again. Or like you yeah. you get so many ideas. Like I didn't even fill out our. Uh, coming up our bardic inspiration because i'm so filled with ideas right now i would spend three hours talking about bardic inspiration right now <laughs> <laughs> like i can't even do it I'm like there's so many good ideas and things that are going on it was really good so and there were a lot of people that have that were there that have never gone to gen con before because obviously you normally have to go to indianapolis yeah uh, indiana to get there i played with some people from quebec today that were super fun dudes I was like, I wish you guys were in my normal gaming group. You guys nice. are so fun. Cool. They had a really awesome accent and they played their characters to the hilt. And they had a lot of fun. And uh, they were, you could tell they were just a good couple of friends that had talked themselves in. They're like, hey, let's go join up for this game. And I happened to be in it with them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's just really fun when you get into a real good group like that. And yeah, just not a pickup game out of nowhere, you know? <laughs> just yeah, like, yeah. That's really cool. Um, uh, and then you meet some good people. And especially if you are uh, playing online then mm-hmm. these are people that you can befriend and keep doing it. Like that's the problem yeah. at Gen Con. Like you meet someone, you play a cool game, maybe you exchange Twitter handles and then you never, you know, so. It's, yeah. And uh, with joining so many discords and for the people that want to stay connected, like I've connected with a couple of other communities out there now. Um, and even a couple of developers once they, oh, I, wow. because when they introduce ourselves or we're on a stream game, they were like, you know, a developer ran our, our Warhammer game. And I was oh, like, nice. uh, I was like trading information with him. I'm like, man, it'd be great to have you out on our show at some point. He's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh yeah, cool. Here's my information. <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is really cool. And now I can stay in touch with you know certain people that I'm meeting a lot easier too. So definitely pluses and minuses. You know, minuses are like you don't get that experience of being there. That that walking exhaustion you get on your first day when you've tried yeah. to travel everywhere and you've got you didn't realize when you signed up for your games that you put two miles between the game that you had to get to. Yeah. Some of them can be in just crazy way. You learn that stuff as you get to go to Gen Con more and more. Um, I didn't have to stand in food lines, which was nice. Um, though my wife is probably tired of cooking me any meals at the moment. So uh, that's been pretty good, but it, you know, minuses, I didn't get to hang out with Jordan and LB and, yeah. and Graybeard and, and yeah. uh, indoor adventure, all of our usual gang, uh, Cyberwolf the people we've been meeting up with at these things, even for just a, you know, a couple of hours at a bar somewhere or, yeah. or a restaurant or even sitting waiting for another game to happen. And we all meet or just somewhere. exhausted. And we're in yeah, the, like just in hallway, a hotel lobby like, uh, or something. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, what are you doing? I don't know. Don't talk to me. Don't talk yeah, to me. I'm so, just too tired. Um, so that's so much. That's fun. the thing. Um, and not being able to walk through the vendor, hall. the big vendor hall. Yeah. That's, that's an experience that I love for some reason, even though it's crazy packed, you're bumping into people. Mm. Not everybody uses deodorant, but it's gotten better. Um, I feel like more and more people are getting the deodorant message these days. Um, and even though you have a lot of these minuses and you can barely get to things because it's so crowded, but when you do find something or when you just happen to your eye catches on something and you worm your way over and you finally see something, and then 
you're sitting there asking the person behind the booth who's excited about it, questions about it, and then you're getting excited about it. Like I remember we, me and you were walking around, we were, we were looking for the Goodman Games booth, and then we were looking for t-shirts and hats. And mm-hmm. we, were, we were going up and down aisles and looking for stuff, and every now and then we'd stumble on something that was really cool. Like, yeah, we, like yeah. we had no idea. We weren't even looking for it. It just happened to be there. Yeah. Um, that's a piece I missed, but they did put up this um, looking glass thing. I tweeted about it. If you guys want to see the link, you can go just to the Gen Con online website mm-hmm. and you can get to there. They call it the looking glass and they put icons of all the vendors on a page that you can zoom in and out of. And then you can click on it. You can go to their web page. Now, some of them did a good job and created a whole nother web page that when you go to it, it's like a Gen Con presence. Oh, some okay. of them just repointed you back to their normal corporate page. Right. So not well, all yeah. of them are good, but if you hunt, you peck your way through there you get a tiny bit of that feeling of searching for treasure and all of this craziness. And every now and then you click on something that's just a little icon that, that your brain doesn't think is anything. It opens up something and it shows you a game that you go, whoa, what is this? How come I don't know about it? I want to find out more about what this thing is. You know, so there's that little kind of like treasure hunting aspect to that looking glass that's really fun. So if you haven't done that, go, go out there and check it out. Even if you just go to the ones you know, yeah. You'll see some cool stuff, but look at this a few of those the, icons you don't this, know. Yeah, this was this was a a, a hot topic, I think, Not because <laughs> a lot of people were like, "It, I it looks it. like if you paid more money, your icon is bigger." Oh, I'm and sure so, that's what it is. And so, like a lot of these little guys were just like, "No one's gonna see us." Like that's that's dumb. Hey. And I and I kind of felt like I was like, "No," because the little guys are the ones that are usually doing the most innovative, cool things. You know. Let me tell you, little guys. I clicked on your icons. I zoomed in and I'm going through and I'm clicking on them. So don't think I'm not (laughs) because I'm looking at those. I found some really cool stuff and just no named icons that I had no idea what they were. And there were some really cool games and really cool um, merchandise that they were selling. I was like, I need to know what this stuff is. I need to keep an eye on these people. So medieval collectibles. Oh my Use it as a, as a trend. I almost thought we could do it as a little show with uh, our audience participation where we could put it up on the screen and they could tell us to click on a link and we would go to a link and take, you know, have them throughout the show once or twice, click on an icon and we'd go and look uh, at it. Yeah, that wouldn't be too it. bad. Fun. But um, space it's unicorn cool. battle it, over cupcake mountain. There's a lot of cool stuff here. Yeah. And, and really it, it's a great representation of Gen Con because the more money you pay, the bigger your booth is. The mm-hmm. more money you pay, the bigger your banners are hanging from the ceilings yeah, and drawing people's so, yeah. attention. The smaller you are and the more indie you are, you're like a little slot in between two big booths and people have to notice you without walking by and seeing all the other big stuff. So it's very similar. I mean, it's not too much different. Um, I can see people not liking it. It's probably not for everybody for sure. But I found it as like a fun little hunt and peck treasure hunting game like i was looking for hidden things that people might not have been able to see places that are selling cool t-shirts i haven't seen or i was looking for different dice stores that were in there and i was looking for i kind of just just looking at this i kind of wish they had it set up like here's the author's corner and here you know because they kind of had the art corner like i wish yeah i wish that was a little more and then you knew like oh categories i really need to check out this art corner because that's what i'm interested in yeah i think if you look on the left hand side there are some filters that gray out icons okay so some of them i think have to do with there might be one where you can say artists hello everyone and it will gray out everything that's not an artist i think or or i might be getting it backwards but there's some um some filters there you can play around with. So it's not perfect by any means. And it definitely is something that you could tell they put together once they realized COVID-19 had destroyed their convention and we weren't going to have it. Yeah. Um, But I kind of liked it. I kind of liked being able to go back and find these companies. I loved seeing the vendor stuff out there. Now, the thing they didn't have that I wish they had was a page of anything that's new. Like Mm -hmm. I love this thing where you can go and you can just see what, what does the company sell? What do they have? all the things they do. But I wish we had one page where we can go to, if you announced a brand new thing for Gen Con, I wish yeah, I could go to I that page know. and say, show me that thing. Show right. me, you know, Wizards, did you did you make any announcements for at Gen Con? Uh, I don't think they did, but Pathfinder made some announcements. Um, Monty Cook made some announcements. You know, like I want to be able to go straight to that and be able to say, oh, that's what, you know, Fantasy Flight Games is doing or Oh, I mm-hmm. see. That's what um, Goodman Games is putting out. That's their big Gen Con announcement. I wish that was all in one spot. But that's yeah. probably a little too much to ask. 
Well, and not to say they, I mean, I don't know. They, uh, uh, <clears throat> I think, uh, it, yeah, like, I, I feel like they had enough time to put this together. Like, it's not the end of the world. It just costs a lot of True. money to build websites and to hire coders and things like that. True. Um, so, but yeah, the, it's a learning experience. Hopefully, we won't be doing this next year. Or maybe yeah. they'll just keep it together. So it's like, you could just physically go to Gen Con, but we are also going to do this online thing, which would be kind of fun. You know, mm -hmm. why not make more money, yeah. spread out the word, yeah. the joy of Gen Con. So. Yeah, hopefully this isn't our new normal, right? This the, That conventions are only online at this point. I hope that's not the world we're living in, but it could be <laughs> because it doesn't seem like, you know, too much is going away yet on, especially in my state. I don't know, we're still... Uh, we're still in lockdown over near me. I don't know. No, it's, it's getting worse. And I, yeah, just, so. but we're not here to, to be sad. <laughs> we're here to talk down. about cool stuff. And we speaking of cool back. stuff, uh, Castle Ravenloft revamped. Um, it's not called Castle Ravenloft. It's called Curse of Strahd. I did this wrong. Curse of Strahd revamped. So uh, this is interesting news from Wizards of the Coast. They announced through IGN, which is kind of weird to me. And I wonder if they're just trying to get like a, a bigger market share or not market share, but like a just mm -hmm. get the word out. And they're like, well, you know, we're preaching to the choir if we give it to all these other things. So we should give it to IGN because they do video games as well. Um, and with Baldur's Gate 3 coming out and stuff, I bet they're trying to do stuff. But uh, they uh, have made a Curse of Strahd Collector's Edition. Um, it's $100, uh, but it was lowered to $60 on Amazon. So there's that. Uh, it's a soft cover version of Curse of Strahd. So you're not getting the hardcover book, but you do get a terracotta deck, postcards, maps, handouts, um, and things like that. Uh, it doesn't seem worth the $100 because I saw a bunch of people saying like, I can get Curse of Strahd for retail 50, terracotta deck for uh, like $10. And so you're like, really, I'm doing $60 right now. And I don't even get for a box for like a coffin shaped box. I don't know. Uh, what did you think of this? Like, I, I think it's worth sixty dollars. I don't know if it's worth a hundred, but I uh, yeah. already owning Curse of Strahd. I don't really feel the need to get a cool collector's box now. If this had come out in tandem with it when it first came out, definitely would be like, oh, mm -hmm. like I'll spend the extra money to get a really cool box. But it's a little weird that we're re-releasing it in this way. Um, yeah. And, well, and we've re-released a few adventures. Um, they've reboxed or repackaged a few here or there. Like what? For me, I don't I'm really play. I haven't really played Ravenloft stuff that much, nor mm -hmm. have I played that Curse of Strahd. And I know a lot of people love that adventure. They yeah. love that whole it's, thing. I mean, it spawned its own it. world. Yeah. Like, so yeah. I think if I was in that camp, then I would be more interested. But if they came out with a cool boxed tin of Tomb of Annihilation stuff, and it had revamped maps and postcards and new new stuff that was in it, maybe a dice set that was specific to it. And then maybe, like you said, the soft cover, um, even though I already have the book, I might look at it because that's an adventure I really like. Yeah. But I don't think if it's an adventure that I'm on the fence about or, or I'm not really in on, I, I would even look at it a second time. Just like I wouldn't look at the Beetle and Grimm version. 360 bucks is a lot of, a lot of money. Yeah. So even Beetle and Grimm is, had a bunch of they're, stuff. they're doing the same thing. They're releasing their custom, like, mm -hmm. yeah, their, their big, uh, big thing of it. And uh, it comes, actually they haven't, I think they announced on Gen Con streams, but it's not on the internet yet. So because I didn't catch their stream, I don't really know what's in it. But the, from what I heard, um, there's some cool coins uh, and just mm -hmm. a lot of props. Like the Beetle and Grimm thing is all about the props. And really, what's really cool is uh, Curse of Strahd or Castle Ravenloft is actually big on stuff like that. Like it's fun to have like, and you receive a scroll from Strahd and you can actually hand a scroll over. And so I thought that yeah. was really cool. So that stuff's cool. Um, I've read Curse of Strahd and I like it. Uh, I see the appeal of it and I see the flavor of it, but I haven't ran it and I haven't done a lot of other stuff. Uh, I, I haven't had it ran for me. So I want to run it for my friends. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to do a really long adventure with it. Mm -hmm. There is a website that has taken Strahd and with level seven or eight characters, you can play it in a four hour session. Like they condense mm -hmm. the whole game down to just four hours. 
and so like it's it's not about ex- exploration at all it's literally about like you arrive at the castle and you do this because in the story there's a lot of uh hunting for clues and trying to find what strad wants at this point you're like strad's bad guy we're gonna go get him kind of a thing mm-hmm. uh but it's i don't know it's really cool uh i i don't think i'm gonna pick this up because i already own strad i don't i don't really care i know that they're making some uh some text changes they haven't really explained a lot of what those are except for um some inclusivity stuff which is grand but if they're just doing that and not like revamping monsters or something to make it more balanced then i don't i don't know if i really need or have they added anything that we didn't get previously yeah like there's a whole new something added yeah yeah, a new area that was never explored before or something yeah new magic item or something Yeah. yeah yeah So, uh, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people were upset that it's soft cover. I'm not, for some reason, mm-hmm. because I think you can, I mean, you could still get the hardcover version, so that's a, that's a thing. It felt uh, like something then, you would put on a shelf, too. Like, yeah, it felt yeah, to me, yeah. the, the, the case of it was something you would mm-hmm. display, so you wouldn't really need the book up on your shelf as a hardback to show, like we do with our books here. Right, yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Like, you just have the have the cool vampire box you put it on there you might break it out i don't know it seems like a seems like a good good way to get certain people into D. like my wife mm-hmm. loves vampires and if i present her right. this coffin shaped rpg mm-hmm. thing that i'm like i will run this for you it'd be all about it it'd be a lot of fun so uh i don't know i i don't know so it begs the question though are we going to get more of this are they going to re-release older uh 5e adventures like out of the abyss as like a box set or something uh maybe they'll just do the ones that are iconic you know like strad is very iconic so they're like this but I, the interview i saw chris perkins said that if this does well then they're like oh well if this is what people want we'll like go ahead and make more um i don't know like i i i don't know i feel the one thing that was lacking was minis uh to kind of put the whole thing together but then, lo and behold, WizKids, like a couple days later, announced that they are making uh, Icon of the Realms Curse of Strahd minis. Um, and these are the main uh, antagonists and NPCs of the Curse of Strahd game. And they're color minis. They look really great. It's going to be about $40 for, I think it's like seven minis each. So, uh, And there's two sets, so $80 for 14 minis if you want the whole thing. But... But they look really good. And if you're a big Strahd fan and you run this a lot, because that's the beauty of Curse of Strahd is you have a, the the deck of cards and you do a fortune at the very beginning of the game and that sets up certain things. So you can do some really cool replay value with this game. So yeah. Yeah. So let's. what if they threw in uh, Playable Race Vampire? Would you buy it then? No. No, I still no. Even if they gave you a new race, how about a new class? They give you a give you a new class attached to it. Well, I mean, if there was like a still not even see, getting Jordan's. No, money. <laughs> well, no, because honestly, what I would do is I would buy that piece on D and D Beyond. I right, wouldn't necessarily right. feel I need to buy a whole book for it. So, um, right. I don't know. It's uh, I don't know. It's it's interesting. What's uh, the last the D&D cool, book though. you did buy? The last D&D book I bought was uh, Eberron. Yeah. And you loved it. I did. Right? Yeah. You liked it? Yeah. I wanted to run it. What's the next um, one you're going to buy? Uh, I think I'm going to get Icewind Dale. Icewind Dale. That, that looks really good. Because I, like, uh, I like the Chris Perkins ones. So you didn't get Theros? Um, no. No. I got it digitally. I bought it on D&D Beyond. But uh, that, and actually, speaking of Gen Con, they have the Ennies. Um, which are the RPG awards. And I think um, the independent, sorry, this company won an any for their campaign setting, which was a Greek inspired campaign setting that I've heard from a lot of people that it's like, it's like Theros, but better. And so, but I haven't read that. Uh, so if I do run a Greek themed one, I might just use my Greek gods rather than uh, Magic the Gathering's version. And then you use the Greek gods that exist. Uh, you have this really cool setting. Um, it's got its own subclasses and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. There's that. But Very And cool. I wish I could remember what that's called. Maybe somebody in chat knows and they will let me know. But um, yeah. 
Um, no, I did like uh, Rise of the Last War. That was a good book. Uh, speaking mm -hmm. of Eberron, they have released a uh, DMs Guild supplement called Exploring Eberron that is a full book. And Eberron is a tricky subject because we've talked about this, excuse me, we've talked about this in the past that there is mm -hmm. canon from Wizards of the Coast and then there's canon with a K, which is Keith Baker canon. Because yeah. Keith is the creator of Eberron, and he maintains it, and he writes for it, and he's like the lead designer, but he doesn't he own it. He writes for it daily. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> loves Eberron, because, and yes. rightfully so. But yeah. he doesn't own it, and it's really weird. So when he does write for it, Wizards of the Coast has to like comb over it, and they're like, oh, actually... And there's a couple of books that he said in the past. I don't really, I didn't approve of that book. I don't really like it. Like, mm -hmm. if you notice, I didn't write for it kind of a thing. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. So the DMs Guild has given him a very unique platform where he can write uh, Eberron stuff because on the DMs Guild, you can write Forgotten Realms specific or Eberron specific adventures because when you write this like supplement, uh, the rights go to Wizards of the Coast. But uh, it's a partnership, and then you make uh, money off of it. And I think it's like 50%. Maybe Keith argued a little better with the DMs Guild. I'm not sure. So he's been working on this project, and they put it out there. You can get it in print-on-demand hardback. You can get uh, the PDF of it. It's kind of expensive. It's like uh, $30 for the PDF, $60 for the, for the book. But you... They, the, he mentions that, that it's like, yes, it's expensive, but we're trying to recoup our losses because the DMs Guild takes such a large cut. Um, companies like Amazon can sell books for nearly nothing because they're hoping that when you buy yeah. Curse of Strahd, you buy these five other things with it, and they make money on the fact that you bought a large amount of things rather than just one thing. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's how Amazon's able to do that, but for the DMs Guild, it's a different beast. Uh, I bought it. It comes with two Artificer subclasses that are very specific to regions within Eberron, which is kind of cool. And then uh, a Monk subclass and a Cleric subclass that are also kind of specific. And that's what I like about like good campaign settings, uh, or good campaign supplements is what I'm trying to say, is if I'm going to play in Eberron, these are fun to use because I know I'm going to be from this region and it makes sense for me to play this character that has these things and that I was raised this way. Uh, but to take these subclasses and just use them in any game, I don't know if I would. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Definitely. But, um, yeah. I'm warming up to, to Eberron. I feel like mm -hmm. the passion that Keith keeps putting yeah. into it, the amount of time he spends detailing the world out, the more I'm thinking I wouldn't mind playing in a campaign. I still don't know if there's going to be a Lucian's game that tries to to play in, in Keith's world, right? Uh, but maybe. Maybe once I've absorbed enough, maybe yeah. once I've kind of dived in enough, maybe if I have the right group of players that are better into the more, the different style of play a little bit. I don't even think it's a different style, but it's like, you know, your, your techno man, your, your techno technology, um, the way the world is coming after, you know, the great war and, and the way the factions are all very different. So player knowledge is a little bit less when you're trying to get players to buy in. Cause they really don't know much about this world. Typically, like they might know about forgotten realms or dragons yeah. or any of these other ones that they've heard, you know, for years and years and years and years. So, but just because he's so passionate about continuing mm -hmm. to add quality, cool stuff to it, it's almost like in some ways, it's a little bit like Matt Coville. I think Coville does it better. And if Coville was putting stuff out on his world and I'd be buying, I buy every single book Coville puts out. I'm starting to maybe think Keith needs to be on that list for me too, of start getting all the stuff he puts out. Cause he's just a prolific author. He has a great imagination and the world he's building is super cool. And it's just getting cooler and cooler as we go. You know, it's just yeah. like, there's more and more. And I like that. Like when I dive into a, a book series or I dive into a TV series or I dive into a game, I want depth. So like if I'm flipping through Netflix, I want a nine season show to find. That's I like, mm -hmm. how did I not know X-Files existed? There's 13 seasons. Let's start watching all of them. You know, like yeah. I want, if I find a book, I want, I want seven, 10 books in the series so that once I get locked in, 
I know there's more for me to consume. And so Keith really feels like that. If I get locked into Eberron, it feels like he's going to keep sending me good content. So mm-hmm. I think he's, he's moving. I'm warming up. I'm not there yet. I'm not <laughs> quite there yet, it's, it's, but I'm warming you up. You know, I was, <clears throat> I was talking to my discord about this because uh, Eberron, exploring Eberron came out and we were, just, and people were like, Specifically, there were a couple people uh, in the Discord that were saying, you know, Eberron feels like I should love it, but I just don't care. And yeah. I was like, you know, I get it because it is so different. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not, you know, like it's medieval fantasy Tolkien. We can kind of say the Forgotten Realms is a little like that. And then you dive in and there's more stuff going on. But Eberron's just weird. It doesn't have regular gods. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. have regular really anything the cosmology is weird like if you're familiar with D tropes it's it's like okay there's trains but like yeah and tropes and... are tropes because people <laughs> like them <laughs> well they're they like them and they're familiar yeah. and so it's like yeah. oh i recognize this you know yeah. uh but making my eberron lore videos i had to dive in and the more i read the more i really liked it and mm-hmm. something i pointed out to them that i'll say here is eberron does the Forgotten Realms does a, you know, the Forgotten Realms has a long history and you can say, I want to play in 1352 and you could look up 1352 and here's what's going on and you can make an adventure there. Or you can play in the 1480s or you can play in the year 200. Like those are all options. Um, all of Eberron's stories take place two years after the war ended. Mm-hmm. And you have... That seems like, okay, your path is very this. You're going to find out what ended the war. You're going to do this, which is a very awesome and probably a fun game. But that being said, there's a lot of, like, people hate each other, but nobody, everyone's scared. And there's a lot of, like, old hatred. And for some people, uh, like, the elves remember a time that we weren't fighting, but not humans. Like, every human that's Mm -hmm. alive, they were born during the war. And the fact that there is no more war, they don't know what to do. And then you also have the race of the Warforged that are just like, what do we do? Do we even die? I don't know. Like the oldest Warforged is like four years old. And they don't Mm -hmm. know how long they're going to live. So there's a lot there. but And and then the dragon-marked houses and all that and how they control commerce. And I don't know. Like Mm -hmm. you just have to read. And, and, and yeah. it's kind of a challenge, I guess, uh, back to being talking about Pathfinder two, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I really just need to sit down and read it, but I don't have the patience right now, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. and so I don't know, but using exploring to Eberron, I'm hoping to make some more Eberron videos, which a lot of people on my channel said they were pretty excited for cause they might not play a game in Eberron, but they really like the lore kind of a thing. And so, yeah. um, and I still want to run an Eberron game. I think it'd be a lot of fun to go mm-hmm. exploring that with the really cool npcs that he's created so yeah well and i definitely don't think this is last we see of books for eberron i think he's yeah go to his blog go to his twitter he's constantly posting things he's written other games if you want to see like i keep always point out uh phoenix command right here and he's he's done some phoenix don command yeah yeah and the illuminati game he built was really fun and cool so he's done some other cool Mm -hmm. stuff but boy does he keep coming back to eberron and giving us really good and it's a twist of everything too like you you say okay Keith, tell me about dwarves. And there's going to be a twist there. Tell me mm. about halflings. There's going to be a twist there yeah. that's just slightly different. Maybe it's familiar, but not quite familiar. And that's think, what makes it a little intriguing. Yeah. I think the drow are the best example of that because you think drow yeah. and it's like, well, they're evil and they live under the ground. But yeah. in Eberron, they are uh, these jungle dwelling elves that keep to themselves and kind of are isolationists and stuff. And it's, it's like, what? And they're above the ground. They don't have the same uh, vision yeah. problems, you know, of like sunlight sensitivity and stuff. So I think if I got a chance to play with a passionate DM that had a good idea for yeah. a, a pretty good mid range campaign, maybe a one to 10 campaign. And I got to play that with somebody who was really enthusiastic, really yeah. liked the stuff, researched the stuff and then built a cool story. I bet it would suck me into the point that I would I would be running games in it and playing it more. Yeah. I think I just need to find that that nice passionate DM that wants to say, you know what, I like Eberron, and let mm-hmm. me show you why I like Eberron. Let's roll up some characters and let's yeah. do some really cool stuff. And I think I would love it. I I'm doing it now with Wildmount. In all honesty, yeah, you know, like I know exactly. zero interest really in Wildmount, but I was like, if you want to run a Wildmount game, you're really excited about it. And if you're really excited, I want to give this a shot. And so I did. Yeah. And we're having a good time. Like, I, I like it. I don't is know if I will run. Is their excitement helping build your excitement? Because they're excited about yeah. it. Yeah. 
Yeah. If people are passionate about something, that's all I really care about. I'm like, because then you know that they're at least excited for it. If they're like, okay, I guess I'll run a 5e game for you. I don't want to be at that table, you know, Mm -hmm. like. It was like your excitement when you were running Hot Springs Island. Yeah. Like when you got to talk about it and we were off screen and we were talking about your prep and (laughs) and then we get on on screen and we talk about how the game was going and where your, your players were doing. I could tell that the passion you had behind that game, the way you read it, it grabbed you and hooked you in. And now your players got to benefit from that passion too, because they could see how much you liked it too. And that's the thing. That's, that's what I think is the best. And I I hope that all of us get to play with those dungeon masters, or I hope all of us get to be that type of dungeon master. somebody. Get, find that thing that grabs you. and makes you so excited that your excitement bleeds into everybody else. And they're just having a good time because you're so excited to get to show them this stuff and, and get them to explore these things and these worlds and show them the coolness about why you like it that much too. So. Uh, That's where the sure. fun comes in. So the uh, the Greek setting that everyone in chat was helping me out with is called uh, Arcadia, um, oh. and it's the Greek setting for Five E. And I know you guys Who can't put that? stuff in the in the chat. So I want to say thank you for that, um, but I'll put a, a link to it in the chat. And that's an affiliate link. So if you do pick it up, uh, a little bit comes back my way, which is nice um, and helps the channel out. But yeah, this was it says on there and any, any nominated but uh they it won for uh it won a couple of awards so it's it's been nice. doing a really good job but yeah 10 new races and subclasses 20 new feats mm-hmm. and racial feats mm-hmm. mythical monsters 30 magical items like it i mean it looks really cool um Sounds good. and uh somebody else mentioned odyssey of the dragon lords which i think that was the one i was thinking of but that's a different one also very good from what i've told Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, that yeah. was one of the things I found clicking through random icons. I found a bunch of 5e compatible campaigns that people were building from companies and things I'd never heard of before. Hmm. Like, so I found a couple more. I was like, oh, I like started marking things as a, on my little notepad to say, research this new world for 5e. Research mm-hmm. this new world for 5e because th- some of this stuff looks really cool and I never would have stumbled upon. I've not seen it anywhere in my Twitter feed. I've not seen a mm-hmm. Kickstarter pop up for it. It's just these people are putting out books. They have companies. They're publishing books. They go to Gen Con and usually set them up and you might walk by and then see them. But other than that, if you don't see them at a convention, I don't even know how yeah. I would because they're not at my game store. You know, I don't see them on the game store shelf. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm excited this is cool. to see some... They've got they've got custom character sheets. If you're playing an Arcadia yeah. adventure, they've got uh, a, there's an adventure here called Fate of the Oracle, um, Ooh, and good. the fun thing about uh, Greek settings is you are you are a hero, and that is yeah. fun. I want to be Leonidas. Uh, you're not, you know, like there's there's fun with hey, we're gonna roll three d six down the line, and you're gonna be a weak character. But there's also fun with just like yeah, I'm level two, and I've got a twenty and in strength or something. Like you're just a really awesome characters so i uh, i just want to yell yeah. this is sparta in a game yeah. that's all maybe i should I'm do saying. a review of this that, sounds, <laughs> that could be fun maybe we, maybe i should do a review of that versus theros or something it'd be kind of cool um yeah and then uh last but not least in news um relentless a dritz novel probably the last drist novel is coming or is released and i just picked it up and i read like five pages and then uh i have been busy taking care of my son uh but it's on my it's on my book i'm really excited to read it so if you are a drist fan this is the this is the the last thing i think because uh it's not published by wizards of the coast there's another company that they allowed uh ra salvatore to use the ip and and make another book because Mm -hmm. he didn't get to finish the story i guess so it's it's kind of interesting very cool yeah um up next Ladies and gentlemen, oh, I don't have it. I, I have mine set. I'm ready. I'm waiting. Oh, I don't have it prepped. Where is it? <laughs> I went back to this. The All chain. right. And it's time for Bardic Inspiration. Uh, welcome back to the show, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Bardic Inspiration. My Bardic Inspiration today is I've been dealing a lot with planner travel because of Rod of Seven Parts. Um, we'll get into this later, but there's like a. Uh, a portal to the abyss and they've been talking about going to the plane of air and all this other stuff and planner travel is very easy at higher levels because you have the gate spell or the i think there's just mm-hmm. like a lot of teleportation spells that allow you to do that um arcane circle or Ar- like that. oh yeah could you do you think our planner travel should be difficult should it involve like a quest a uh 
not a like a, a journey, a quest, or like a sacrifice. Like, yes, you can get to Mount Celestia, but you have to like go through this portal and you need mm-hmm. unicorn blood to activate it. You know, something like that. Uh, and I'm, I'm dealing with that right now as, as I'm trying to think like how easy should it be for our players to get to the, the end of this campaign. So for me, Forgotten Realms, I think I make it pretty easy to planer, the planer track. Yeah. Or at least not difficult once somebody says, we want to find a gate that brings us to here. Mm-hmm. then maybe there's a sh- really short, small little side quest investigation to find somebody who knows of where a door is or a, a place that will work to get them there. And maybe it doesn't get them to where they exactly need to go, but it gets them somewhere near so you can have a little bit of adventure in the plane. And then they can get to their destination. They can do their thing at their destination and then they can get back out. Because I feel like for me, Forgotten Realms is a very, there's lots of people moving around these different places and interacting with each other. I don't right. feel like it's so set in stone. Now, if I'm running a um, a Dragonlance game, I'm probably not doing it. If I'm running a um, Gary Gygax's uh, Greyhawk one, I definitely probably not doing too much plane travel, mm-hmm. but Forgotten Realms feels very plane travel-y to me. It does. Uh, I agree. And I think, I think that's where something I just disagree with. And this yeah. Rod of Seven Parts game has been interesting. And I, I set it up early that they found this uh, Ori teleportation device where they can push things to another plane and they can pull things from another plane. But they need materials and stuff. And the more we've been playing, I like that. But then every time they gain a level, I'm just like, are my players going to just turn around and be like, well, I don't need that silly device anymore because I've got this <laughs> spell. And I'm like, you're right. Dang it. But... Uh, I don't know. I want I want them to have to have have like a piece from that plane before they can go to it or something like that. Oh, and okay. I think I think a cool quest like that. Um, and and I can obviously talk with my players and just be like, hey, but uh, you, you know, like think, yeah. I want to run planner travel like this, and they'll be like, okay, that sounds fun. Uh, I don't know. It was kind of interesting. So I'm sorry, I let you down. It's not really an interesting bardic inspiration. It's no, not, I, I I wasn't inspired, but I was like, I wanted to talk to you about this because you're a DM, and yeah. it's kind of fun. So. That's what the whole we, we stream's be about. By yeah, how to <laughs> how to be yeah, a better how, DM. How like, do you how do make that this? feel good for your campaign? Because yeah. you want it to feel pretty good. Yeah, I get that. I so, get that totally. I don't know. Uh, it's something I'm going to be interested in. Uh, boy, Rod of Seven Parts is getting really cool. And I made a, I talked about, I made a video talking about um, an older book or older uh, uh, module campaign mm-hmm. uh, that you went to like level 100 in. Um, and it was really cool. Uh, and now a lot of people are saying like, you should do more of those. Like, I don't know about these really cool stories. And I was like, Oh, and immediately rod of seven parts popped into my head. And I was like, this is actually a really fun story that you could take the framework of and put it in your game, you know? Uh, yeah. cause all they have to do is just stumble upon this like weird rod fragment that casts spells. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they're being chased by demons and it's, it's fun. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because I cheated on Bardic inspiration a little bit also, um I, I told you kind of before the show we were talking i was like my head is exploding with campaign ideas right now so normally if i started writing them all down we could be on this this whole segment for hours and hours on end mm. but i instead of doing that i thought i got some inspiration from how a game was run that i thought was really cool the kids on brooms game i ran this is how they set it up so they had i want to say four classrooms set up for kids who were coming on their initiation day or whatever they called it. I forget. They had a name for it. Like they're kind of the sorting, the sorting hat day, yeah. the sorting day, what their version of it. Right. And so we had four classes of like four or five people per class. And what they did is they did a live stream show of the faculty meeting and addressing everybody. So it was all the faculty and then the headmaster of the school talking about what was going to happen during the day. And then they focused on one of the classrooms, but all those professors that were there then left and joined the Google meetings of the other groups. So we were watching that. And then our first professor came in, which was the illusionist professor who was going to talk to us about the, the, the magical school of illusion. And we went through this whole thing where they were explaining that like we had to go through like these puzzles. Mm -hmm. None of it was combat related. All of it was this thing. And then when she was done, she did maybe, 45 minutes then the next professor would come in so the professors rotated out 
in this whole thing. So for somebody to put this whole thing together, yeah. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, they apparently really cool. are normally like a LARPing group that does a lot of stuff and shows at Gen Cons and they get together and they run games and they, uh -huh. they sound like they have a pretty thriving community. But just to have seen that from the outside and be like, oh my God, I didn't realize people were putting like big, this was a cool level of production that, cool. yeah. that somebody could really jump on. Like, I mean, that was more than even a Wizards of the Coast in some ways where you had these people moving around, the DMs, the teachers were moving around and engaging the different groups for the four hour span. Um, cool idea, brilliant mm. idea of players getting to interact with multiple DMs in the same session. Mm -hmm. So I think that was what my bardic inspiration was is that I thought I would point out this week is this really cool idea that maybe somewhere down the line for a group of party, maybe you set up some type of rotating fun GM thing that have different styles and different things are going on mm -hmm. and they get, they get hit with some different kinds of cool stuff, puzzles and labyrinths and um, um, riddles and all, and, you know, it's just a whole bunch of fun stuff that you could do that. And they were, most of them were cosplayed out. Um, so that was fun. Most of them had a pretty good character. They were definitely a LARPing group. So yeah. you might want to do it with those people that really like to get into the characters. Maybe they have a voice or two they can lean on. And they, the librarian was funny and the geomancer professor was great. And the, the alchemist professor was a very, um, you know, fumbling kind of professor type. And then some were stern and some were funny and some were... Yeah forgetful you know it was just this whole thing so you got that whole experience so if you if I you had cool. yeah no if you if you have a regular group and yeah. you're playing something like this how fun to bring in like oh like steve is out of steve is in town this week and he's going to be your professor for this and you bring him in or yeah. literally uh you know, we kind of talk about like DMs running multiple games, but if you had mm -hmm. like the same group that has rotating DMs. So like yeah. once a month I play kids with kids on brooms with these guys, but they're mm -hmm. actually playing four times a month. It's right. just, there's just, four DMs just, yes. and it's like, okay. So, and then as I'm done with the session, I email the next DM and I'm just like, yeah. by the way, you know, Susie got into some trouble with a troll and mm -hmm. you might want to check, you know, like that. Da, da, da. So you're mm -hmm. having like faculty meetings or something in between. Right. It'd be a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, yeah. It could be a lot of fun. Yeah. So super cool. They did a great job. They were called, I believe, the Ethereum, although I don't know how to pronounce it. But go look out on the Gen Con website. They were doing a bunch of um, sessions. You may still be able to get in one. They, they still got sessions for probably tomorrow if you look them up. But they were a really cool group. And the idea really inspired me. So I thought it would be something cool to talk about. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, what about Jordan's games, D&D games? I have so many that I'm willing to fill out whatever you don't fill out. So you okay. talk about your games and I'll take up whatever you leave me. I'm going to take a sip of water. Yeah, I'm going to take a big old drink. Um, two games this week. Uh, we Man, I haven't played a game in a long time. And both of these were just like, hey, we're actually going to play D&D this week. Uh, so last Saturday, I played uh, my Wild Mount game. And... I think we're in Zadesh. Uh, it's a it's a very large city. Uh, the the Mighty Nine have been there, and it's home to uh, the Pumat Pumat Soul. That's the oh, the yeah. yeah he's classic NPC that very funny yeah. uh, NPC that Matt Mercer came up with that has this like Fargo North Dakota accent. I don't know if we can <laughs> make the magic for you, but I'll try. Like it, he's really funny. Uh, and when we were at Gen Con last year, he dressed up like Pumat Soul and yeah. was like in, in the yeah cosplaying and he was out running around and people were just like, who is this? And it was really funny. Uh, so we actually met Pumat Soul and our DM did his best interpretation and it was really funny. But uh, we, we got into the city and we're not sure what we're looking for. We need information. And the entire group was like, well, what do we want to do now that we're here? Like, we can't just storm up and be like, we're looking for a weapon of mass destruction. And we're from the city that you hate. Uh, so it was a lot of like, uh, and I'm like, how about we establish roots in some way? Like, let's buy a place or get a, a, a long-term stay at a tavern or something. And mm -hmm. then we can, like, meet some NPCs and we can kind of do this. And as I was doing this, the DM, I think, like, I don't know. I could be wrong. I should talk to Nathan. But I think he was looking at me and he's like, that's exactly what I needed you guys to do. Or, or maybe he was just agreeing that, like, that is a good idea. Um, so we ended up going a couple different places to 
uh, do stuff. Specifically, my character is about uh, making money. He's a failed merchant. That's my background as a failed merchant. <laughs> so I went to uh, the Merchants Guild and I'm like, look, I'm looking for work. I can do X, Y, and Z. And uh, I recently took the Fabricate spell because it felt like a really good Josh A. My character's name is Josh A. And it felt like a good Josh A spell where he's a failed merchant. But now I've, I can use magic to actually turn raw materials into something else. And because I have proficiency in jeweler's tools, it says in the spell that if you have proficiency with that, then you can make more detailed things. So I did an example in the merchant scale and I had a couple people say, yeah, I need like some adamantine rings made, but I need uh, to be enchanted. And would you be willing to do that for like a, a you know, 90-10 split, and I got him up to, like, a 70-30. So I'm making 30% off this adamantine, and I'm not supplying the materials. I'm just supplying the work. So I'm going to make a little bit of money. We're going to take this. We're going to kind of do some stuff. Uh, I kind of I, – I really want to run a game – or I want to be in a game too, but running a game like this where we are – Maybe it's the acquisitions incorporated in me where I want to have a business and where you We're come back that, and you're yeah. just like, all right, I put you in charge. Like, how do we do this month? Kind of a thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping we yeah. can do some more downtime stuff while we're in Zadesh looking yeah. for all of these uh, clues city you know? building business yeah. building mechanic that's happening off screen that's what we were talking about our players a little bit too not to sidetrack you but it was uh we want to play our adventure for our four hours but then we want to use like our downtime that we're building something else in the world an industry a business a tavern a, uh, a merchant like you said or whatever just having other things going on that we could do that would be really fun i kind of want to um i i think the people i run games for they might be all about this. They might not. But I like the idea of of uh, send me an email with what you want to do downtime wise. Mm -hmm. I will roll. And like it's the only way to really keep it fair is if I roll because yeah. then yeah. I see the rolls. And I will get back and be like, this is what happened with what you tried to do. Or this is the information you got. And then yeah. when we come back and play, all of a sudden everybody has new information that they need to share with each other. and right. And that would be really fun. I've always handled downtime as, okay, we're at the table. We just finished this. Uh, now you have a week of downtime. What do you want to do? And we roll there. But it's really something that could be handled away, you know? And mm -hmm. Invisible Sun does this really well, uh, where it actually has a whole mechanic system of playing away from the table to get special information when you come back. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, cool. so I'm I'm enchanting or I'm making magical rings and amulets, and I'm really excited about it. <laughs> uh, that's my that's my fun you're, thing. You're Using crafting by uh, crafting with the fabricate spell, <laughs> it's really exciting. Uh, Rod of seven parts uh, took a, a different turn. I was kind of scratching my head the day before, where I'm like, what am I going to have them do? And then it dawned on me to have uh, problems. Like, what do characters do? They need to solve problems. And when you mm -hmm. have like, well, we have to find the rod. But we also have to, like, take care we of the problem problems. here. We have to do this. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they're just like, then you have to weigh the pros and cons. Yeah. They have to make a choice. D&D RPGs in general are about making choices. And so they made a choice to go back to Baldur's Gate because there's a problem there. And uh, the problem is, is that the guy they put in charge of figuring out how to use the orrery accidentally opened a portal to the abyss that they couldn't close. So periodically, demons are just like, oh, hey, what's this? And they're climbing out. And then they're like, oh, prime material plane. And they're running amok. So they all retreated, and they put a, a big bar on the door leading to the caverns that ha that hold this. And they've been casting you know, arcane locks on it and all this other stuff to keep the demons inside so they don't spill out into the city. And now it's up to our players to get in and figure out what to do. Um, very excited to see what's going on on the other side of that door. So uh, maybe tonight. So I don't have a game tonight. I might I might stream on Twitch, um, and maybe we'll do my game prep early, or maybe I'll play around with Hero Forge. I kind of want to make a couple of characters in Hero Forge, um, and then uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, they they ended up calling it a, a demon heist because they have to somehow get in, go through a sea of demons. And then they have to figure out how to close a portal that they don't really know how to close. Right. I don't have any answers to any of this yet. And we're going to brainstorm <laughs> I don't even it. Know how they close I don't know. It. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to get through the door. I don't know anything. But I'm yeah. very, th that's what excites me as a dungeon master. When I walk away from a session and I'm like, I don't, this is, oh, oh I got to come up with all this stuff. Uh, I guess that's, I just get excited about that energy. And so, yeah. uh, Rod of Seven Parts, they're doing really great. They're level nine now. 
uh very excited to have such an amazing group of players i i just like this game a lot um all theater of the mind which is something new for me uh although mm -hmm. i think i'm gonna force them to use roll 20 um for the big battle uh, oh, when it's the nice. actual boss, I think I need to have a map and actually see what's going on, some, some you know, for the final encounter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nice. Because I never ran. I don't know. I just want to be precise because that's mm -hmm. like, you know, sink or swim. Are you gonna? Are you gonna get hit? Are you gonna do? I this love a tactical kind of map. So, yeah. I love it. <laughs> and I found some really good resources to make some online maps recently, so I think I'm gonna do that. Yeah, uh, cool. But yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. So it's exciting. Really exciting. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I did get to play on Tuesday my um, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're maybe 50% of level one or of uh, the first level. Omen Drawn himself has asked us to map out the levels so that Acquisitions Inc. can use this map right. to then begin uh, exploiting the the mad the dungeon of the mad mage for money right so we're going in and we're we're laying the groundwork for omen drawn our, our hero or at least my hero for my character he loves omen drawn <laughs> and uh i feel like we're pretty good we got in some big battles we moved around you know there's traps here or there there's secret doors here or there we got some cool abilities it's all pretty good standard stuff um i'm excited to get to my next level um but i feel like our next session we'll probably have another session or two before we finally clear out of level one. And then we're allowed to come up, do some downtime before we go back down. And then we maybe try to tackle level two. Um, I'm excited. It's a fun adventure so far. I think our dungeon master's having fun with it. He's had two big nights of bad rolling, which has made it a little bit easier than it should be for, for us moving around. But mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to hold out. That'll even out over the campaign. Gotcha. Because eventually we're going to have some bad nights and we're just going to get our butts kicked. But right now we've kind of walked through a few things that maybe made it feel like it was a little easier than we did. But I'm excited for it. We'll be playing again coming up Tuesday. Let's talk about role-playing games I've been playing since then because I've been playing games since Thursday, Friday, Saturday, back-to-back yeah. -back games. Played a game called Delta Green. This was great. I'll give you spoilers on this one because I don't know how many of you are going to play it. This was a really fun... Delta Green is a modern day. Um, there's supernatural things going on in the world. And Delta Green is a group that brings agents together to deal with those so the public doesn't have to know about it, right? Um, like kind of the and, main black or... Yeah, a little bit. Way. But we're all from different groups. So I was a, a U.S. Marshal. We had a Parks and Rec guy. We had... And then we had like a, an FBI agent. Um, were the three that we were assigned and, and we met at a diner and they said normally we you know you guys would have missions that are more suited to being a u.s marshal who hunts down fugitives or being in the fbi and, and investigating this thing or the park and rec guy would be normally doing more park and rec things out in a national park or something but apparently there was some big event going on that most of the agents were in the area were were dealing with and so we were the only three left that could handle one other issue that we needed to tie up. They didn't think it'd be a big issue. Obviously, if it's an adventure, it's going to turn into a big issue. But they didn't think it'd be a big issue. Go in, do this thing. They just wanted us to go to where an agent had passed away of a heart attack. They wanted us to go into his apartment, make sure there was no incriminating evidence that somebody might find when they, they clean out his apartment. Other than that, good to go. Well, obviously, we find a little bit more. Things start to go crazy mm. and... All of a sudden, we're out at a cabin in the woods. This <laughs> ex-agent has gone crazy and raised his ex-wife from the dead using stuff that he had found because he used to investigate Delta Green stuff. And then mm. it got out of control. And then we tried to save her, but then she tried to eat my head. So then we had to <laughs> kill her. And it was like a whole ordeal. But it was so fun. The system was fun. The Dungeon Master did a great job. The party of people had fun. Um, really good game. I can't wait to play it again. Uh, Delta Green it was a D6 system, but I also have Fall of Delta Green, which is a conversion into a another dice system, the Gumshoe system, oh, but yeah. the same world. So okay. the same worlds. It was really fun. It was very X Files. Very um, there was some Cthulhu ness to it. There was some you know all this other stuff that was really cool. That mm -hmm. I thought was great. Great game. I joined into a Pathfinder game, and it was a terrible pathfinder society experience because oh, no. it wasn't even like a role-playing game it was like hey guys you're on a you're on your ship and your ship's gonna crash land 
but we're going to do a series of skill checks to see how you do. So who wants to roll skill check number one? And then we would do it. And it was just like, okay, your ship does this. Who wants to roll skill check number two? Okay, this is what happened. It was almost like a board game or there was no role playing going on. There was no narrative, hardly anything going mm. on. It felt very railroady. It felt very, didn't get to, into the main mechanics of the game. I actually quit the game halfway through. I'm just like, this is not fun. I'm not going to keep doing it. I actually left the game. I was okay. like, I'm paying money. I, if you use my time, I want it to be fun. So that was a downer for me. Maybe I can redeem a Starfinder game at some, I put Pathfinder, it was a Starfinder game. Sorry, Starfinder. Oh, sorry, yeah. Um, Kids on Brooms, turned it around. I get in that and it's fun. Although I've been typing to Jordan a ton. If you're going to create a character for a group of random people, do you A, decide you want to play a douchebag for two hours, thinking that's going to be fun in some way when everybody else is not going to have fun around you? And it's not even fun to play a douchebag character, but you've decided that's what the character is. So that's what you're going to do. Don't do uh, that. No. <laughs> Don't Especially do that. with new people. Like, yeah, uh, you don't just, play that character. You want to work together. You want to be, yeah. you know, nobody needs to to push you along in the adventure. It's not their job. Like, if you don't want to go on an adventure, yeah. then you don't. And then that guy looks yeah. back and he's like, but I, I'm supposed to go, what? Yeah. Like, why are you? But my you... character yeah. is a rich, snobby person. So I'm just yeah, trying to like, play well, it as a rich. Well, then I don't want to play like, with a rich, Nobody wants person. to play that. Yeah. yeah. So, no, and the, I ran, yeah. I ran into that recently. Well, I say recently in the last like couple months where it was just like, my adventurer doesn't want to party with you. Like you have to, you need to meet me halfway. Like I don't need to find a reason to hang out with you as a bad uh, character. Like Mm -hmm. your character needs to find a reason to keep me along. Like, yeah. So, so then, so that one wasn't great, but the system was awesome. The people that put it on were fantastic. Most of the other people in the group were great. It's definitely a heavy Harry Potter vibe. So if Harry Potter annoys you, you will not like playing that game because it's going to be constant um, references to Harry Potter. But it was fun. It was cool. I liked liked playing it. I would play it again for sure. Then I got to play Robotech. I got to play Robotech, which is a game from my childhood. I'll keep going. We only got a few minutes here. And I got to play with a group of really funny guys that were really into just joking around and having a good time. And that made, even though the session wasn't exactly like the Robotech I would have, I was thinking I was going to be playing because it was more of a comedy session than it was. So it was more like an act ink Dungeons and Dragons session than it was a, you know, a more drist session of Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons. But once you leaned into it, we were all having fun. We were all joking with each other. By the end of it, it felt like a real adventuring group together that we were having a lot of fun. And even though the system felt a tiny bit clunky here or there, um, it felt like if you really got to understand the rules, you could play a really fun Robotech game. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the players and the Dungeon Master themselves made it really, and the people that put it on made it super fun. So that was great. And then the last thing I played this morning, I got to play with one of the developers who ran a game for us this morning. Got to play some fantasy role play Warhammer Aww, style, fourth snap. edition. Awesome, awesome game. We come across a coach house. Um, everything's shut up, but we're trying to get in because it's raining. We start to see things are odd, things aren't quite right, and then it leads into, yep, they're summoning demons in the basement and all hell breaks loose. And we end up solving it all by just burning the whole place down. So we really go into (laughs) full on, just burn it down with fire and we'll be done with it. It was really fun. And I had a great time. And then I just got to sit and talk with the developer. He's He's got a couple of writing credits on some of the other books they've done with Cubicle 7. And he was a really nice gentleman to talk to. Chris and uh, he might even maybe I might get him on the show at some point. The guys that ran the Robotech game, I talked to them. They develop Robotech games. They're getting their license for Robotech so that they can do more. I'm mm-hmm. hoping maybe to have them on the show as an interview at some point down the road. Um, so it'd be great too. So all in all, I had most of the games were good. A couple of games were kind of not great at all. Nothing in the middle. It was all super fun, or it was like, oh, I'm just going to leave this game. I'm done with it. I don't even want to sit here and play this game. Gotcha. Anymore. Um, but it was it was great. But man, I can't wait for more gaming. I'm super excited. I'm energized. But Jordan won't let me go on any longer. I'm already getting the hook to the side. So go ahead and take us away. That's our show. That's our show. Uh, I was going to say with the <laughs> Ennies, you know, I think Alien, the role-playing game, won best game. And we've been talking it about that. It should. And yeah. So I, I think it won best game. game. 
uh thank you guys so much for coming out uh thank you for all though it's uh yeah felix was a last minute guest he's a he's a great kid uh, we had uh, one of the players from the robotech game join the show today so we even got one more viewer oh, cool. so just well, by playing welcome. some extra games yeah, yeah. <laughs> um thank you guys so much for uh watching us live later than normal we'll be back next week with a special guest uh it's gonna be a lot of fun and mm-hmm. We, I'm going to do like a tour of my game room once I get it finalized. I'm almost, I'm almost got it finalized. So I got some more hexagons to put on the wall. Uh, but very exciting. Thank you guys so much mm-hmm. for coming out. We will see you next Saturday at our regular time. Regular time. 12 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, yeah, 12 but... Eastern. I always say 9 Pacific because I'm closer to the yeah, Pacific 9 Coast. Pacific. Uh, but we will see you there. Take care. Have a great day. Stay safe. Wear a mask. And goodbye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.